Welcome to the Public Diplocast, a podcast from CPD, the USC Center on Public Diplomacy. This episode features a talk by Ira Helfand, a physician and member of the steering committee at the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, known as ICANN, speaking at Indiana University, where CPD co-hosted an event on why public diplomacy matters on the Korean Peninsula. Dr. Helfand discussed the public health implications of nuclear war and how governments of states with nuclear weapons should respond. Here's what he had to say. I want to address this question from the point of view of the need for the public to be involved in diplomacy. I think that's one of the several uh, definitions that, that are possible when we talk about this topic of public diplomacy. And I think my thesis is really very simple, which is that the public needs to be involved in diplomacy on issues, especially issues that are as fraught with danger as Korea, because we simply cannot trust the governments to do this job well alone without public involvement. I think it is critical that we understand how close we came to disaster earlier this year. We literally dodged a bullet in Korea, and I do not believe that that bullet has come to ground yet. I think it's still ricocheting around the world, and it is not at all clear how this is going to play out. Uh, I was in Seoul on the day of the Singapore summit uh, at a, uh, a meeting held by the Kim Dae-jung Institute, and publicly everyone was just incredibly euphoric uh, that the incredible tension of the preceding months had seemed to give way to at least the hope of uh, a peaceful resolution. Uh, there was a great deal of talk about confidence building and how the summit was a great step forward. Um, but that evening, uh, over dinner with Prime Minister Lee, I asked him, well, if this is the case, uh, if we now have a, a, an increased confidence and we're all talking about the need for denuclearization of the entire Korean Peninsula, can South Korea and North Korea together sign the newly established Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons and use that as the mechanism for resolving this conflict? Um, I was there as a representative of ICANN, the international uh, uh, civil society campaign that played such a critical role in bringing this treaty to being. And I was quite surprised by his answer, which was, no, we can't do that. We still need the US nuclear umbrella over us, and the North Koreans have no intention of giving up their nuclear weapons. So while clearly it is better that we are in the current moment than in the moment we might have been in had the fire and fury rhetoric continued, this crisis is far from over. At some point, President Trump is going to figure out that the North Korean regime does not appear to be giving up its nuclear weapons, as he has told the world they will do. And it is not at all clear how this man will react. He may choose to continue just lying about it, saying this was a great victory for him and an extraordinary accomplishment that no other person in human history could ever, ever brought off. Or he may get very angry at being duped, at being shown to be the victim of a huge con job, and revert to fire and fury mode. And we just don't know. Uh, Emily spoke of the, the problem with an unpredictable and nuclear armed regime in Korea. The problem here is that there are two unpredictable and nuclear armed regimes in this equation. And we, I think, are at least as confused and uncertain about how the Trump administration will behave as this crisis unfolds. Now, my group is a physician's group. I'm not a diplomat. I'm not a politician. I'm not a scholar of international relations. Uh, we have spent the last 40 years 
trying to talk to people about the medical consequences of nuclear war, because we believe that this information needs to inform the decisions of government and the decisions of the public about how they want their governments to behave, particularly in countries like the United States, where the people, at least nominally, control the policy of their government. The problem here is that the leaders of all of the nuclear weapon states, in our experience, are profoundly ignorant of what is actually going to happen if these weapons are used. And at the moment, the general public is as well. There was a time 30 years ago when people were very aware of what nuclear weapons could do. But those of you who are of the student generation have grown up since the end of the Cold War. You never learned about the medical consequences of nuclear war. People of my age knew about this you know, 30, 40 years ago. But we have not just forgotten this material, we've pushed it out of mind because it's so unpleasant. And this ignorance comes at enormous peril. Because if we do not appreciate the magnitude of the danger posed by these weapons, then we're not going to appreciate the incredible urgency of getting rid of them and of diffusing situations like the crisis in Korea. As Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un faced off on Twitter last year, there was clearly a willingness on both of their parts to go to war if that was what was needed to achieve what they hoped to achieve. And any rational person who understood what that war would have looked like could not possibly have had that position. A conventional war in Korea would probably kill several hundred thousand people in the first few days. Seoul is a city of, I think it's approximately 25 million people in the metropolitan area. It is within artillery range of North Korea. They wouldn't even need to use weapons of mass destruction. Simply conventional weapons would cause enormous casualties. But if that conflict went nuclear, and there's every reason to believe in the current situation that a war in Korea would become a nuclear conflict, the consequences are, are truly immeasurable. We've done a couple of, of simple scenarios. We looked at what happens if a single uh, 240 kiloton bomb, that's the largest explosive that the North Koreans have detonated, if that were detonated over Seoul. And the death toll is over half a million people in a half an hour. Uh, I mean, this is something, that, the kind of violence we have not seen on this planet since the end of World War II, or maybe since the end of the Korean War. Um, a US attack with ground explosives directed at 30 of the most significant nuclear and missile program targets in North Korea would blanket much of North Korea and significant portions of South Korea with lethal doses of radiation that would kill over a million people in the first week from radiation poisoning. And these are very local effects of this war, assuming it did not spread, that China or Russia did not get dragged into the conflict that North Korea did not use many nuclear weapons against South Korea or against Japan, that the nuclear power plants in South Korea and Japan were not targeted and released their enormous inventories of radioactive material. The fact is that in recent years, the studies done by the scientific community have showed that even the most limited nuclear war has the potential for affecting the entire planet. We have looked specifically at scenarios of war in South Asia, but the data apply to a similar sized war any place on the planet. The use between India and Pakistan, one of the other great hotspots that doesn't get very much attention here in the United States, a war between India and Pakistan, in which each of them used 50 Hiroshima-sized bombs, less than one half of 1% of the world's nuclear arsenals. That war, we killed 20 million people in the first week. But more importantly, it would put 5.5 million tons of soot into the upper atmosphere, causing climate disruption across the entire planet, triggering a catastrophic decline in food production and a worldwide famine 
that we have estimated could kill as many as 2 billion people over the ensuing decade. An event of this magnitude, which could happen this afternoon while we're sitting here, would not be the extinction of our species, but it would be the end of modern civilization. No civilization in history has ever withstood a shock of this magnitude, and there's no reason to think that our civilization would either. And so the public needs to be active on this. We need to make our leaders understand the danger we all face and take action to prevent that. A larger war between the United States and Russia is kind of off scale. The weapons that are targeted on a city like Indianapolis would create a fireball approximately four miles across. Everything in that zone would be vaporized. They would create a firestorm 32 miles across within which area, 800 square miles, the temperatures would rise to 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit. All of the oxygen would be consumed, and every living thing would die. War between the United States and Russia would probably kill a half a billion people in the first day. And the climate disruption would plunge us into a new ice age, dropping temperatures to levels not seen on this planet in 18,000 years, destroying the ecosystems which have evolved in the last 10,000, 12,000 years, ending food production on this planet, and killing the vast majority of the human race. And under those conditions, we might, in fact, become extinct as a species. Now, this is not just a nightmare scenario cooked up to be the plot of a grade B movie. This is the danger which we are facing every single day that we allow these weapons to exist, be it in the United States and Korea, or in the US and Russia, or in South Asia, or in China, or any place else. And there's an urgent need for public diplomacy, for our ordinary citizens like you and me to do something about this, because our leaders are not. There's an inspiring example, which we can all, I think, take great heart from, the success of ICANN over the last 10 years. This campaign started in 2007 with a goal of securing a treaty to make the possession of nuclear weapons illegal. Ten years later, that treaty was signed and will enter into force later next year when the requisite 50 countries have ratified the treaty. We need to do the same kind of work here in the United States, building a public consensus for a totally different policy, not just about Korea, but about nuclear weapons in general. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Public Diplocast, produced by CPD the world's leading research and training center in the field of public diplomacy. I'm your host, Lisa Rao. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Public Diplomacy, and make sure to find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring the best of CPD's forward-looking thinkers. See you next time.